0: Boy, I've literally gone through breakups because of things I said on podcasts, so I can't imagine that there'll be anything I regret on here. <laughs> is that a true story? Have
1: you actually gone through breakups because of things you've said on podcasts? Oh, yeah.
0: For, yes, that is a true story. I think podcasts are best when they're, like, raw, right? I mean, that's the whole yeah. point of it to me, so... I might say stuff that I'm like, oh boy, I shouldn't have said that. But I will not say anything that I will want you to edit out. That's for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, am I being too intrusive if I ask for the breakup story? Because this is the podcast all about the stories
0: we make. Yeah, totally. I've been dating a girl for three, maybe four months. You know, it wasn't that serious. I didn't think. You know, we hadn't even said boyfriend, girlfriend yet. I liked her, but she was also very Jewish and made it clear that she wanted to marry somebody that was Jewish and I am not Jewish, so I was like I'm not gonna get that invested in this. I was on a podcast and uh they were asking me, like, Oh, are you dating anybody? And I was kind of being like, Yeah, I'm dating this girl. She's cool. She's fun, but like, I don't know. And I also was saying, like, I've hooked up with other people on the road when I'm traveling for doing comedy and you know, that probably means that I'm not taking this that seriously then she was like i listened to it. i one i didn't even tweet out the podcast i didn't even know the podcast was available at all <laughs>
1: she found out before
0: you she's she your did. biggest fan she did and she was like i can't believe you said that stuff on the podcast and i was like that's stuff i would have said to you like i wasn't hiding any of that stuff we're not exclusive i don't know what the problem is and she was like It was a hard way to find that out. And I was like, yeah, well, I get it. You know, I feel bad. And then I said, if you're taking it that seriously, then we should should probably stop dating. And she was like, what? I don't want to stop dating. And I was like, yeah, I think I do. So, you know, I like to start off my podcast appearances by making myself look like a real asshole. Well, congratulations. Yeah, That story
1: really puts me in a bad light. <laughs> I don't think it does because you did a great preface that she was very clear that this was going nowhere. I think it would be different if you had started this story saying, I told her I'm not looking for anything serious. This is going nowhere, but let's keep on seeing each other anyway. Yeah, That's a different story than the other person saying this is going nowhere. We're not going to take this serious. I hate saying that you were in the clear, but it sounded like it was a consensual and very mutually casual thing.
0: It was. That's the way I always thought. She said, this is never going to be like a forever thing. And I was like, well, I think you're cool. Let's have some fun. And that's kind of where I was with it. I'm also like a bit crazy probably in breakups. My last girlfriend, I was in like a three-year relationship with her. We lived together We were talking about getting married, and then she broke up with me, and then I convinced her to record all of our breakup conversations. So I <laughs> I have uh, that. Why? I'll be releasing a podcast at some point. And then not only did we record like our actual breakup conversations, we met up a year later and talked about, like, how we've changed, what we've learned. We met up two years later and talked with our old couples therapist about why we failed and all. Oh yeah, I'm a crazy person. That is
1: very preemptively content creative because you went into this thinking, oh, this is a great opportunity for people to actually learn from my life lessons and get some listens. So have you released that as a podcast?
0: I have not released it yet. No, I'm still working on like the edit. It will be like a series, you know, like, a 10 episode arc and that's it right it's not going to be an just ongoing with this
1: one relationship or is this yeah. an ongoing thing like serial where every season <laughs> you have to find some new person who isn't actually guilty of a crime for which they were convicted yeah. or but the... it's you just breaking someone's heart after your yeah. relationship
0: or getting my heart broken that sounds rough
1: <laughs> yeah what do you think it was in this case the podcast case was it your heart or her heart or mutual
0: I think it was mutual. I think we were two people that had a lot of love for each other and couldn't make it work.
1: Grant, what's your marital status now?
0: I'm single. Well, I have a girlfriend now. I shouldn't say I'm single, but I am not married. You know, when I have to fill out a government form, I have to check the box single.
1: Yeah i'm assuming you've heard the mitch hedberg thing where he says i don't have a girlfriend i just have someone who'd get really upset if she heard me say
0: oh that. yeah mitch hedberg is the reason i got into comedy so i know that serious? joke well oh yeah very much so <laughs>
1: <laughs> good old mitch what a loss
0: huge yeah. tragedy
1: we should start this show officially instead of just bullshitting around
0: okay i mean because i can bullshit for a long time <laughs>
1: I'm Alan Gerding, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast that is all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and sometimes even under the gaming table. Talking to role-playing games, tabletop games of all sorts, card games, dice games, roll and write games, you name it. If there's a story behind it, we'd love to hear it. And I'm not alone this episode, because with me, I have a comedian, so pressure's on him. Once Uh you introduce yourself as a comedian, (laughs) people are
0: expecting laughs. Yep, that is very true.
1: And I'm with Grant Lion. Is that right? Just like the animal?
0: Yes, that is correct. I am Grant Lion.
1: Spelled with a Y instead of an I O N. Exactly. Grant, why the hell are you on
0: a gaming podcast? Because I love playing games. I literally live in a house, I used to live in a house of five comedians. Now we've really upgraded and we live in a house of four comedians and we play a ton of games.
1: Favorite games that you usually play on the regular with these three other comedians?
0: Oh boy, uh, we like Bang a lot, particularly the Dice version. Boom, you nailed it. Dice trumps the card every
1: time in my opinion. Well it's
0: just like, it's so much easier to teach people too. You know? Oh, yeah. Like uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. We, we all like to lie a lot, so Sheriff of Nottingham is nice. a good one. We've actually been playing uh, That's Not Lemonade a bunch. That's like a really easy game to play when we get back home and we've already had some drinks and that sort of stuff and everybody wants to play a game really, really quickly. You
1: shitting with me and just
0: being a shill or are you being honest? No, no, I'm being honest. We've been playing that a bunch the last couple of months. It's great to hear. And I also want brownie points, so I bring it up. But it is true that we have been Answer. playing it a bunch. <laughs> Those brownie points are definitely
1: yours. All right. Leveling up. So I want to talk about how you got into comedy and how you got into gaming, because it sounds like the two are very intertwined as you live in a house with other comedians with whom you now play these games. True. Would you mind getting into uh, the time machine and going back into time and talking me through the basic steps of getting into comedy?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in, like, a pretty strict family. I was allowed to watch one hour of television a week, and I could also watch the hour that my sister chose. So I have seen all of Dawson's Creek. Whoa that's the kind of family I was in, so it's not like we had comedy records around or anything like that. So I legitimately didn't know that stand-up existed until I got to college.
1: Like legit, you didn't even know it existed? You didn't know that people had careers of traveling the country going on stage telling jokes? Not at all.
0: I would sneak up late and I would watch Saturday Night Live, so I knew that comedy was out there. I didn't really know anything about stand-up comedy though. Wow. Was this a religious thing or
1: just a really strict family
0: thing? I think probably a bit of both. Yes, we were religious, but my mom was also a very big intellectual. As an example, we would always eat dinner together as a family, and after dinner, we would sit around the dinner table reading classic novels aloud. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: What was the religion and where did you grow up?
0: I grew up in a, a few different places. I lived in uh, Los Angeles till I was 13. Then I moved to Chicago till I was 16. Then I moved to Sacramento till I was 18 and then went to uh, UC Santa Cruz after that. So I moved Those are pretty and,
1: major cities to not know about stand-up comedy and be yeah. sheltered. That had to have been a really tough job for your parents to keep you under the wraps <laughs> of naivety and
0: ignorance. Yeah. Well, it's the funny thing is like I remember when Chris Rock hosted Saturday Night Live – after he had left being a cast member so the first time he came back and i remember his monologue he essentially just did six or seven minutes of stand-up i didn't know that that was stand-up and i remember watching this and be like this is so much funnier than the normal openings they do why don't they just do this all the time yeah and now i look back and i'm like oh he was doing stand-up like i didn't know that at all you can always tell when they
1: get the stand-up comedians to host, like Louis C.K. did his whole stand-up rigmarole. Yeah, Ansari did it too. Totally noticeable right away, as opposed to a musician or some
0: nervous well, actor. It's not that I want to be elitist, but it is just funnier.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, because that's their, that is what they've dedicated their life towards, that yeah. specific art. Absolutely. So there's no shame in that. Yeah. So you decided, I want this to become my career, how? And I have to ask after you tell me this, how proud or ashamed are your parents?
0: My freshman year of college, I get to college and my roommate plays Mitch Hedberg's first album, Strategic Grill Locations, for me. So good. And it was literally the first album that I'd ever heard and it blew my mind. I was like, what? This is like an option? This guy's just telling jokes and that's like what he does with his life?
1: Yeah, and for the uninitiated, Mitch Hedberg is a very interesting comedian in that he literally just tells dry joke after joke, whereas a lot of comedians try to make them personal stories and have a narrative arc to their stand-up in some way. Nope, Mitch Hedberg just, here's a joke, here's a joke, here's a joke, here's a joke.
0: My friend asked me if I wanted a frozen banana, and I said no, but I want a regular banana later, so yeah. I was
1: at a casino, I was standing by the door, (laughs) and a security guard came over and said you're gonna have to move you're blocking the fire exit as though if there was a fire i wasn't gonna run
0: (laughs) if you're flammable and have legs you are never blocking a fire exit and so i still was so naive to stand up that i didn't hear that album and go man i want to look up more stand-up I just listened to that album over and over and over and over. I would walk around campus with a CD player. I just listened to that album all the time. So I memorized the whole thing. And I actually went to college to play soccer. I I played college soccer. Wow. Yeah, played in the national championship game once upon a time.
1: You're a soccer player. What position? I'm
0: guessing forward. Yes, I was. (laughs) Yeah. How'd you get it?
1: Well, when we interacted, you kind of looked like a forward and with the <laughs> ambition that it would take to be a comedian, you're either really lazy and just floating down the life of river. And that doesn't strike me as you, you have ambition. So then I'm thinking an ambitious person wants to be the forward in this <laughs> That's honestly yeah. where I came up with the guess of forward.
0: Well, you were correct. And so I literally started by all my friends. One night we were riding a bus back from a game and people started getting up and telling knock-knock jokes on the bus. And my friends were like, "Grant, go do some Mitch Hedberg because they all knew that I had like memorized it." So I got up on a tour bus and did like 30 minutes of Mitch Hedberg jokes in front of my teammates. And it was my college coach that was like every day at practice he was like I want to hear some Grant Lion originals. You got to do some of your own stuff. And for like a month I was like, no, 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 I can't do it. And then he kept saying it. So eventually I started seeing things in my life and being like, oh, that's kind of funny. And my first time ever uh, performing my own joke was on a tour bus later that season where I was like, hey guys, I actually wrote 10 minutes and I got up there and I told 10 minutes of jokes in front of my teammates. And then I loved it and just kept going, man. And you start, you know, I started doing open mics around campus. Then I started doing open mics around the Bay Area. Then I started getting paid for it. And then, you know, you just keep working hard and keep creating. What was the first joke? What was the first Grant original? Oh, boy. I remember, well, the funny thing is if you see me on stage now, I am absolutely nothing like Mitch Hedberg.
1: And I expect this to be really rough, because this is literally, as you're claiming, basically your first set, even more so, just your first singular joke. Because I made one joke <laughs> when I was a kid with my friend, and it's awful, and I can share it if you want to.
0: Oh, please. You sharing yours will make me more confident to share mine, you know, because I'll be like, oh, it can't be that bad.
1: It's totally fear and reasonable. <laughs> and I apologize to everyone who hears this in advance. A camel drags itself into a bar looking worse for the wear literally crawling in and what's interesting about this camel is that its humps are all deflated hanging (laughs) like nut sacks emptied on the side and there's seven of them he has seven humps so this is some weird ass camel with seven deflated humps manages way up to the bartender and the bartender says what can i get you and the camel says, water, I need water. And the bartender says, you sure you wouldn't rather a seven up? <laughs> and that's the whole thing? That, yeah, because he's got seven humps. It's even better if you have to explain it. <laughs> yeah. So you need your seven yeah. humps to go back up. So how about a seven up?
0: Ah-ha. Boy.
1: Wait, wait, I-, I got a sound effect for this.
0: Okay yeah perfect i don't i think that sound effect just killed itself for having to do that for that joke
1: (laughs) so hopefully that enables you now that you've forced me to share my shame
0: please share yours you want to know why that joke doesn't work though i can tell you like as a comedian now there is too long of a distance from describing that he has seven humps to the seven up
1: Meaning that people probably forgot the seven yep. humps.
0: I wasn't thinking about the seven humps at all when you got to seven up. If you could shorten that that distance between it so seven is still in my mind, then you I might laugh. You know what's funny?
1: It originally was short, and I decided as an adult talking to you right now, I'm going to try to make this joke a little bit better (laughs) and pontificate details a little bit more. Because the original joke was a camel crawls into the bar with seven deflated humps and says, can I have some water? And the bartender says, wouldn't you rather have a seven up? And that was the joke. And you're telling me (laughs) that 12-year-old Alan, way funnier than midlife Alan.
0: But midlife Alan had some sound effects, and I really appreciated the commitment to the bit
1: this is amazing i'm having so much fun thank you i'm taking notes all right i gotta hear it
0: i remember one of my first jokes because that's what i mean it's like i'm nothing like mitch now but at the beginning i was just a mitch knockoff because he was all i knew of comedy i remember i had a joke that was like why do we call yellow hair blonde we call brown hair brown we call red hair red but we call yellow hair blonde. I have never seen a light change and be like, slow down, that light is blonde. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I've never been talking to someone and be like, man, I don't like Greg, he's a blonde belly. (laughs) And I had all these examples of using yellow in life. Wow. Uh, Pretty bad. Pretty
1: bad, but that's why we're here. We're sharing the story. Yeah, for sure. How was your 10 minute segment received?
0: I mean, I will tell you, it wasn't nearly as well received as when I did Mitch Hedberg jokes, but it was received well enough that it made me want to keep doing it.
1: For the rest of your life, potentially.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can definitely say that in some form or fashion, I will be doing stand-up for the rest of my life.
1: So this was in college, you said?
0: Yeah, that was in college.
1: What were you majoring in in college? How did that change your direction right there and then
0: with college? I was a double major environmental studies and history. Yeah. So I don't think people saw this as the path for me. I was my high school valedictorian. And then I was like, nah, I want to do comedy. And you know, for the first couple of years I started doing it when I was a sophomore in college and the first couple of years I didn't take it very seriously. I was just like having fun. This is fun to go get on stage and tell some jokes. And it wasn't until my senior year that I was like, oh, I have to do something after this thing. Uh, And that was when I was like, you know what? Why not make it comedy? This is what I really enjoy doing. I'm going to try to make it in comedy.
1: But you stuck it out enough
0: to get your degree... You didn't did. drop out to do comedy. Nope. I, yeah, I, I stuck it out and got my degree, which I'm I'm glad about. You know, I was a, I grew up in a family, like I said, that was like fairly educated. I am the only person in my family without a higher degree, so that's me bucking the trend. I'm the only. I have three siblings. They all have master's degrees. I have my parents do too.
1: You the oldest,
0: youngest, or somewhere in between? I'm third of four. Oh wow, yeah. middle child. Yeah.
1: So how did that conversation with your parents go when you said, hey, I know I'm supposed to start applying to graduate schools, but instead I'm going to start going to a local comedy club and try my hand to see if they'll actually pay me to tell jokes there. In the meantime, I'll be living in my bedroom. So keep feeding me.
0: Yeah. You know, the one thing I will say for my parents is they have been incredibly supportive when i was worried they wouldn't have been
1: really nice yeah
0: you know i think my dad always kind of wanted to be an artist and so he is like ridiculously supportive i mean to the point he will get in his car drive four hours to watch me perform watch the show and then get in his car and drive four hours back
1: Eight hours out of his day just yep. to see his son perform. Yep. So he drives eight hours to see a set he's already seen, or does he only drive eight well, hours I, to I, see?
0: I change it up a lot. I mean, I'm always doing different stuff. I'm always writing. I'm always trying new things. I'm always so. I don't think he's ever driven that far and just watched the exact same jokes. But like for instance, I recorded uh, my debut album uh, this summer in Atlanta, and he flew to Atlanta and like watched both shows
1: is this recorded is this been televised Is it's on youtube no this you is you gotta uh, tell us where we can become better fans of you
0: yeah yeah thanks i did it with one of the major like top three comedy labels uh they're called 800 pound gorilla records and we are in the like post-production phase right now and it'll probably come out late fall i think the album's called scheduled fun time because that's kind of who I am, right? I'm I'm a guy that likes to cut loose, but I got to have it on a schedule. (laughs) (laughs) You valid Victorian. (laughs) Yep, yep, exactly. It'll be coming out pretty soon. Here's the cool thing.
1: Any type of links that you want to share for all of our knaves, knights, and listeners alike, we're going to post it within the show notes. So you can just clickety-clack, and we're going to send you wherever Grant wants to take you so you can get a better feel of this.
0: (laughs) I promise I won't send you to Pornhub.
1: Uh, (laughs) you have been doing this for how long now
0: i've been doing stand-up for almost 15 years now so 15 years it has been a long time (laughs) and how's it going i mean well in the sense that i'm making my living at it and there are very few people that can say that you know, not as well as I maybe would like because I doubt many of your listeners have heard of me before. <laughs> you know, I'm obviously not famous. I've been on TV, but I'm not regularly on TV and whoa, that's sort of the whoa, whoa, goal. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, Where have you been on TV?
0: Oh, I did the show Comics Unleashed. I've been on Comedy Central. I have a big part in a movie on Amazon Prime right now. Stuff like that. So, you know. Well, I've don't carry had... the lead. What's the part in Amazon Prime? What's the show? It's a movie called Killer Kate. It's a horror comedy, and it's fun, and I get to play one of the main bad guy. Oh, man. I get to play, like, the bad guy with a conscience, so that's fun. Comedians to actors, your
1: opinion, real quick.
0: Oh, I think comedians to actors often are very good actors. Actors to comedians are terrible. Absolutely. You said pretty much what
1: everyone should understand and is really hard to dispute because when you are doing a set, you are indeed acting up there. Sure, sure. it's been pre-planned, but that's the same thing with actors in a script, except you're becoming masters of
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there is some sense in stand-up of like, we have to be students of people, right? We have to really delve deeply into like the human condition and that can translate very well into being a dramatic actor where you're like, okay, I can empathize. I get what people are doing. Whereas dramatic actors, when they try to like do punchlines, there's just no sense of timing or anything like that. And if anything, that's what the director's
1: job is. Perhaps if everyone was a better master of it, director, and I know I'm overstepping here, wouldn't be as essential in films as they are right now. Yeah, yeah. What is the future for you? Because you already mentioned 800-pound Gorilla Records releasing your album, Scheduled Fun Time. What else is in the horizon for you that you're really excited about that you're willing to share on this show?
0: Oh, totally. I mean, I, uh, I have a bunch of projects uh, coming out. You know, I, I'm still working on that podcast, so that'll come out at some point.
1: What are you going to call the podcast, by the way?
0: I, uh, you know, I've been still, look, if anybody wants to tweet at me or send me an Instagram message, I am open to suggestions because I've had a bunch of different working titles and I scrap all of them. So it's been very hard for me to decide. Uh, The Breakup Breakdown podcast is a working title that I have that I am now out of love with. No, it's so good. Why'd you fall out of love with it? I don't, there's a web series also called The Breakup Breakdown. And I'm ah, like, that ruins ah. it
1: right there. If someone else already took it, it just makes it poopy and dirty.
0: Yep, exactly. Now it feels unoriginal and... Yeah. I'm still trying to think of uh, other things to call it.
1: What do we tweet you? What's your Twitter handle there?
0: At GrantLion1 on Twitter and Instagram because some other jerk took my name first.
1: Son of a bitch.
0: If you look at the person who goes by Grant Lyon on Twitter, he literally has 12 Twitter followers and his about me just says, not the comedian. So it has. Douchebag. (laughs) It has been frustrating. Oh, man. Have you ever considered approaching him and
1: offering to buy his Twitter handle? Oh, yeah.
0: I have a whole joke about it. I did. I was like, man, I'd love to buy this off you. And he was like, yeah, cool. And I was like, how much do you want for it? And he was like, five thousand dollars. And I laughed into the phone because I was like, (laughs) how well do you think I'm doing, man? And then then he said, fine, if you don't want to buy it now, I'll just keep it and wait until you're famous. And that was a weird moment because I had to acknowledge, boy, my blackmailer really believes in me <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. my mom keeps telling me to go back to law school but everybody i know named grant lyons says keep going every time i look in the mirror and i feel like quitting i'm like hey man you can't quit all the grant lines we know are depending on us
1: it's a win-win situation because if you just pitter out and die suck on that blackmailer yeah, yeah, yeah but if you succeed then hey you're successful yeah, now you can yeah. be blackmailed worth uh-huh. Well, I think the other question that everyone wants to know then is why the hell are you talking to me on a gaming podcast? I asked this earlier and you said you play games. Oh, totally. You know and travel much more than I do. I'm sure you have a bigger reach than I do. You say you don't have a lot of fans. You have more than I do. Well So how the hell why are you talking to me?
0: (laughs) Well, so when I went through that last big breakup, I moved into a house. I moved out of living with this woman and into a house. Of five comedians. Sometimes we like to refer to it as the home for Wayward Bros because a bunch of people moved in there after breakups. And one of the guys that lived in that house, super huge gamer. You know, games were something I played a lot when I was a kid, but then didn't throughout my 20s. And it was really like five years ago that this one particular guy got me back into modern gaming and as you know very well that world has exploded over the last 10 years yes uh (laughs) and so you know it was like oh, I don't just have to play like Monopoly or dumb games like that, right? Is that There's what so you were many... playing in
1: your childhood? That yeah. was allowed. Dancing wasn't allowed. Stand-up comedy yeah. wasn't allowed. Watching television wasn't allowed, but Monopoly
0: and Payday. Yep. Oh yeah, we played uh, Scrabble. We played uh, Parcheesi was one of our favorites. Uno, all, you know, all those like classic traditional games, um, yeah. which are fine, but it's just like, you know, I've played those enough. I, I'm pretty bored by them.
1: Do you remember the first game that your flatmates shared with you that made you realize, oh my goodness, this is way cooler than any of those other childhood mass market games that I was playing?
0: It might have been Codenames. Oh, man. Which I think Codenames is actually a lot of people's way into gaming these days, it seems like. That's become this game that's now everybody knows. You know, my, my parents know it sort of thing.
1: It is a big gateway game for sure because yeah. it has so much mass appeal. It's so easy to teach, et cetera. You know, I just heard that Vlada designed that completely within three hours. He had all the rules written and done in three hours.
0: That's crazy.
1: It makes sense to me, honestly, because anytime I have someone play code names, they think, How does this game not already exist? A lot of us have thought that when I played it, I thought, How does this game not already exist? It just seems yeah, yeah. like it's a game that should have
0: already been out. Totally. And it's just, like, so replayable, right? Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, and, I, and, and then they started, we started having game nights at our place, a bunch, and that sort of thing.
1: Were they Tuesday nights? That's what I recommend. Tuesday ah. nights are the best nights for game <laughs> nights.
0: <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. That's actually why we named
1: the company. I've always had a game night on Tuesday nights. Really? That's the company funny. After it. Yeah, that's that is great. actually why.
0: I mean, literally the way ours work is when we're in our house, we go, hey, what night does somebody not have shows this week? And people are like, I don't have a show on Thursday. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a show Thursday either. You want to do a game night? Yeah. And then we'll just throw out a bunch of texts. So it changes all the time.
1: You just got to do what you got to do. Yep. But go on with the story. So you had this one housemate. Did you want to name drop him or no?
0: Sure. Shane Moss. Shane Moss. M-A-U-S-S. He's got like a Netflix special and all that sort of stuff. You can find him. He's he's a good dude. He's got a lot of different nicknames. Sometimes we call him the Game Master. Sometimes we call him Dr. Drugs. You know, he's out there. Uh, (laughs) He's got a whole psychedelic show that he does. And then he moved out. Shane moved out. And then so we were like, man, those are so fun. We're going to keep them going. So we've kept... Game nights going. And then, like three years ago, I have a buddy who I know through the world of film who knew that I like games, knew that I played games. He has multiple published games, and he approached me and was like, Hey, man, every game I've done for the past has always been more strategy focused. I want to do a comedy focused game. You're a comedian. Would you be interested in working on a game? And honestly, I was like, oh man, I never thought about designing my own game or anything like that. Well, come, let's have lunch and let me pitch you some ideas. And he pitched me three ideas that I was like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. And then he got to this one idea and I was like, dude, I love that idea. I would work on that idea with you. So then we spent like two years developing this game and then About a year ago, we started going to, like, game conventions and all that stuff. Boy, I had no idea that that world existed. (laughs) Like, it is not something I've ever thought about. And so when I went to my first convention, I was like, are you kidding me? There's this many games out? There's this much stuff happening in this world? I couldn't believe it. I think someone told me that, like, 3,000 new games come out per year. And I was like, man, I didn't even know there were 3,000 games total. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it's ridiculous. It's getting insane for sure. What was the first show you went to that overwhelmed you like this? The first show I went to, not even the best show to go to for gaming, was the New York Toy Fair. Oh, wow. Gaming's like a very small subset of that show, but that show is massive overall. Yeah. I've been to New York Toy Fair, I've been to Origins twice, and I've been to Gen Con twice.
1: And that's where I met you, was Origins.
0: Yep, that is is correct.
1: And that's actually where you showed me this game. So here's what we do to our nobles, is what we call our guests. We punish you severely. Okay. By having you give an elevator pitch, you have up to a minute to explain the spirit of the game. Okay. But it gets a little bit harder, Grant. Okay. You have to do it in a character. Okay. What character do you want to act as as you're doing this elevator pitch. Is there a character you have in mind that you think would thematically fit with this game? Oh
0: yes, very much so. I'm gonna be a character from the game. That's what I'm gonna do.
1: That is a good choice because not only does that show off your chaps, but it also shows off the in-world theme of this game. Mm Mm-hmm. You think you're ready? Oh yeah, I am. When you're ready, just say the following. Ding me SBJ
0: ding me sbj yeah you are a crusty grouch an ill-contempered malcontent a surly grump in the game curmudgeon the object is to throw down insults on other players you can use keywords from insult cards to throw down your insults so i might have keywords like knight Or obese, (laughs) and I can be like, your hamster is so obese it uses a CPAP machine at night. And I throw down an insult (laughs) on you. Now you're allowed to retort me if you want, and we can get into a retort battle one-upping each other, vying for different life cards. Whoever dies the biggest curmudgeon wins, because this game is awesome.
1: (laughs) Hey, that was within a minute easy. And I'm assuming the character was a curmudgeon for the game oh, yeah. Curmudgeon.
0: That is exactly true. Was there a specific
1: curmudgeon that you were summoning?
0: Yeah, I, um, one of our characters, Murray Bust Your Head Rodriguez, is who I was playing right there. Now, I've seen this game. Truth be told, Man
1: Behind the Curtain, that's actually how we met, is you showed me this game. hmm And you had these great characters that you can be. And I thought there was a great justification for why you have characters that each person personifies while you're playing this game. I want you to explain because it's such a great point. Why do people have characters in front of them instead of just using the players that you throw insult towards?
0: Uh, I like playing as characters because it gives you permission to throw down insults without worrying about hurting someone else's feelings. You don't have to worry about my friend Alan walking away and being like, wow, does he really think that about me? No, (laughs) you get to just throw down silly stuff. And to me, I think the game works better when silly is at its core, not mean. And I think playing as characters really emboldens the silliness of the game.
1: How about we do this? You give me a character that I'll have in front of me and you give yourself a character that you'll have in front of you, and we'll just do one quick round, and you're just going to tell us the words that we get. How's that sound?
0: Oh, okay. Sure.
1: So this is like a poor man's version of curmudgeon. No components in front of us. We're just doing this, the podcast-friendly version. How's that sound?
0: That sounds great.
1: Okay. So what character do I have in front of me? You just tell me one of the characters that are available, and I'll take it.
0: Rebecca Goldberg
1: anything i should know about rebecca goldberg
0: uh she is 18 years old she is a goth chick uh she thinks the sunlight is evil
1: okay and who are you gonna be because that's more information for you to throw my way but what character do you have in front of you and this is the one i should really pay attention to because now i know the person i'm going after i'm
0: gonna be margaret kapoor She works at the DMV. She has three teenagers, and she is ready to have them out of the house. (laughs) And she she works at the DMV, so she hates everybody.
1: All right. That's uh, pretty easy, because I think I've met Margaret Kapoor before. Yep. Who hasn't? (laughs) All right. Now, the way this works is I know originally in the game, and correct me if I'm wrong, please do is you have a hand of cards. Some of them are insults that you throw down, and then there's rebuttal cards that you can throw down that interact in various ways. Help me out here.
0: So everybody plays with life cards in front of them. This is another aspect to just help creativity. You don't necessarily throw down something on Margaret, but there is a specific aspect of Margaret. Like, for instance, I might have life cards in front of me that says earlobes or one that says car. Something like that. So you're saying, Margaret, your earlobes are dot, dot, dot. Or Margaret, your car is dot, dot, dot. And I think it just helps give it a little structure and, and helps creativity. Then you have some insult word cards in your hand. They are just like key words that you can use to make up stuff. Some of the cards have two words on them. Some of the cards have one word on them. And they don't relate. So it's up to you to sort of put them together. So you might have the cards like ugly and army or something okay, like that. Okay, that's
1: good. Ugly, army, and then give me a life card and I'll just throw down with Margaret Kapoor right now.
0: A uh, fiancé. How about that?
1: Okay. Hey, Margaret you're so ugly, the only person that would marry you would be the leader of the ugly army, and they'd only pick you to be the leader of their army, and you're so helpless that you think it was a proposal for marriage, but they just wanted you to lead the ugly army. Ah, I'm not good at this, but yes. Honestly,
0: that was like the longest one I've ever heard. So i mean, okay. I'm long-winded once again. No, you can I that I think I think you had it there if you just got to trust yourself. Margaret, you said Margaret, you're so terrible the only person that would ever be your fiance is the leader of the ugly army. That's pretty yeah. funny right there. Man,
1: you're teaching me so much. Just trust yourself and leave it at that, you know? Yeah, comedy, comedy. Brevity is comedy. Yeah. I got it. I got I got to take that to heart and learn it. Okay. You ready? I'm going to give you a life card, and okay. I'll give you two random words. Okay. All right. I'm going to say property. Okay. Night spelled with a K. Ooh. And um,
0: disease. Rebecca, you're so terrible. You hide under a knight costume to disguise the fact that you have so many diseases (laughs) Okay. (laughs) all the time you're just walking around in a night costume
1: (laughs) got it no that's pretty simple and straightforward and yours did exactly what mine did not so (laughs) i I like the brevity and it's that simple the game just goes back and forth i know that there were other mechanics where you can retort or intercept another player so if you and i are going back and forth someone can chime in if i remember correctly
0: yep Everybody has a lame card. So if I was just like, Rebecca, your your night is diseased, you'd be like, lame. You got to come up with something better than that.
1: (laughs) Got it. So what are you doing with this game, Curmudgeon, right now?
0: Uh, We have been pitching it to a bunch of companies. And we have a bunch of different companies that have prototypes. And we do have somebody that just offered us a deal for it. And so we are weighing that and potentially moving forward with this company.
1: That's really exciting, but you don't want to jinx it by giving us the company name right now. Probably. We don't want to ruin that for you. But this is a great segue into Sponsor Spot, where I force you to be a shill for our sponsors. You ready? (laughs) Yep. Here we go. Sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money, and we'll talk about your stuff. But only if we like it! <laughs> Grant, you have the game Curmudgeon and you showed it to me and it had fine quality components, printed components. How the heck did you make the Curmudgeon game to look like it's an already published game? Gamecrafter, baby. Whoa, yeah. yeah, seriously, the gamecrafter.com It yep. does all of your needs. So, this is really easy. I wasn't even sure if you use the Gamecrafter. Really? Even if you, you just took said, a chance? <laughs> I just took a chance because if it was some other company, I would have said, well, if you're unhappy, you could try the thegamecrafter.com or what are the prices yeah, like? Yeah. What's the delivery?
0: We use Gamecrafter. What do you think? Are you satisfied? You can be honest. Oh, yeah, Tell man. Us- it, like, we've had multiple companies that have like in pitch meetings have been like, is this already published? And we're like, no, why would we be showing it to you if it's already published? And they're like, well, it just looks so done. <laughs> like it looks <laughs> it looks like an already published game. So that's pretty cool. And you could,
1: if you wanted to publish it on your own and actually upload it to the Game Crafter so people could buy it at the gamecrafter.com. And therefore it does become its own retailer and distributor all there in one, if you wanted to. Did you have a hard time navigating it? Was it you who uploaded the
0: files? Was it your friend? Yeah, it was my buddy who's done it before, but he said it's pretty easy. So, And one thing to note, to get a trademark for something, you have to have it in the marketplace. It has to be in the marketplace. And if it is on Gamecrafter, it is technically in the marketplace, even if you're not selling it or anything yet.
1: Dude, I didn't even realize that. Uh-huh. This is such good info.
0: You can get a trademark for that. So we, we trademark Curmudgeon. Nice work. Woo!
1: Well, hey, that's all I wanted. That how was that
0: shilling for you? I mean, it was painless.
1: Grant, anything that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about this episode?
0: Boy, I don't know. You made me think. Like when you emailed me, you were like, "Have some good game stories." So I thought up some good game stories. Let's and hear a freaking game story, bro. <laughs> my family owns a cabin like two hours outside of los angeles once or twice a year i'll go up with a bunch of bros to the cabin and we'll play a bunch of games and drink a bunch of beers and stuff like that and it's super fun at one time one of my roommates is one of the chillest guys ever he's just like you never see him get upset and the most mad i've ever seen him get is at a game of code names (laughs) because his team kept losing to my team and he did not like the clues that his teammates were given. And he was like, I'm going to be the clue giver this next game. All right. I'm the one doing it. And then he came out of the gate with the dumbest clue ever. It was like the word great for six. And it was so (laughs) esoteric. It was so esoteric that everybody was like, what are you doing? And they got maybe two of them and then got one wrong. And he was like, I can't believe you guys didn't get that. And he knocked everything like off the table and then literally walked outside and took a walk around the neighborhood. And we didn't see him for a while. (laughs) Wow. I just was like, how did you expect anybody to get six things for great? That is such an unspecified clue.
1: Grant, I really hope everything works out for Curmudgeon and you. Thank Um, you. What shows are you planning on going to in the future or are you bowing out if Curmudgeon gets published?
0: You know, we already have an idea for a new game, uh, so I don't think this will be the end of my game journey. Nice. I know you do a ton of work with your company i probably will never start a company around my games because i quite frankly just don't have the time with all the other shows and stuff that i'm doing smarter man than me yeah i will continue to pitch game concepts to companies because i like the world and it's a on a business sense one of the things as an artist that we need to do is create streams of passive income you know, I get paid yeah. when I perform, but if I'm not performing, I'm not getting paid for anything. Heaven forbid you get sick or injured. Yeah, exactly. Literally. I mean, I've had weather. I was supposed to be flying someplace to make $1,000. I get weather. I can't get out of the airport. Now I don't get my money back for my plane ticket, but I also don't get paid for the show. I just didn't do.
1: That fucking sucks, man.
0: Yeah, it's a gamble for sure. So to create streams of passive income like my album or like this game or something like that that hopefully is... People are enjoying and, and buying it, and uh, and I'm just making money on the back end.
1: This is where I grill you for info. If yeah. there is a publisher listening that wants to hear about Curmudgeon and get in on the bid, or if they want to hear about your next game, or even if you have some fans that want to talk games with you, yeah. how should they contact you?
0: I mean, you can always email me. Pretty easy to remember, grant at grantlion.com. Instagram's the easiest one to get me on social media, grantlion1, the number one.
1: That's excellent. What about the best way to get your comedy? For instance, 800 pound Gorilla Records scheduled fun time. Is that going to be available on iTunes? How do we get your album?
0: Oh man, it'll be on iTunes. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Sirius XM. It'll be on everything. You can always find stuff on my website, updates and stuff like that. I'm at grantlion.com. Anything you want to cover? I'm so glad you asked, Grant, because
1: <laughs> I would love all the knaves, knights, and listeners alike, comrades too, of course, to please email us with comments, questions, concerns, podcast at TuesdayNightGames dot com. Run all the social media, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. We're at PlayTKG. And please, share the shit out of this episode, tell everyone about it, and keep reviewing us if you haven't already. That is the best way that listeners can become knaves and knights just like you.
0: All right. That's great. And
1: one last time, if they want to follow you on social media.
0: Just find me at GrantLion1. Uh, there'll be updates on there about when my album Scheduled Fun Time comes out, when my game Curmudgeon hits the market. So check that out.
1: Any big shows coming up that we can see you live on stage? Where are you based out of? We're based out of Cleveland. The podcast is based mostly in Europe, actually. Oh, wow. Interesting. Our European listeners are more than our American listeners, but we have listeners from all over the world, actually.
0: Cool. I always have tour dates up on my album. I've literally performed in 44 states at this point, so I'm all over the place. I'll be in Detroit. I'll be in Columbus. I'll be in West Virginia. I'll be in Lake Tahoe i'll be in uh san Basically, francisco you're saying
1: check out grantlion.com to find your schedule that's what you're saying yes
0: yeah i'm everywhere
1: grant thank you so much i think with that being said this episode is
0: finished